Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Word of God, word of life. Please be seated. Thanks, Jenny. And grace and peace to all of you on this Father's Day and day before Juneteenth, a holiday that originated in black communities in Texas and that commemorates the June 19, 1865, when U.S. Major General Granger made it to Texas and announced that enslaved people were now free. A belated announcement that came two years after Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, two months after the end of the Civil War, and six months before the 13th Amendment that legally abolished slavery would be ratified. A holiday that began due to the work of black activists, Juneteenth is a time to honor the ways that black people have been active participants in their own liberation And for me as a white person to acknowledge and recognize the equity work that still needs to be done. And while I'm talking about about Juneteenth, I have a shameless plug for Families with Kids for Storytime with Pace happening tonight on Zoom at 7.30. Tonight's book is the Juneteenth story. Come and hear more about the story of Juneteenth through an excellent kids book read by Pace. More information about how to join in is available at mopley.org. Thinking of Juneteenth and the word freedom, I'm reminded of Mia Birdsong's book, How We Show Up. 
She writes, the word free is derived from the Indo-European freya, which means beloved. Friend also shares this root word. A free person was someone who was joined to a tribe of free people by ties of kinship and rights of belonging. Freedom was the idea that together we can ensure that we all have the things we need. Love, food, safety, shelter. And the way I've come to understand it, she writes, freedom is both an individual and collective endeavor, a multi-layered process, not a static state of being. Being free is in part achieved through being connected. And as I look at what Jesus is up to in this story in Matthew, I see Jesus teaching his disciples and us something about freedom and connection. Today's text reads like the end of one chapter and the introduction to the next one. It straddles a summary of Matthew 4 through 9 of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and various healings as Jesus travels around Galilee, while also introducing what Jesus is up to next, equipping and sending others, namely the disciples, to share the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is fresh out of rising conflict with the religious powers that be, and he sees the crowds harassed, helpless, and leaderless, and he's moved to act. The Greek verb for compassion here, splankinidzomai, forgive the pronunciation, this one is a tongue twister. It's connected to a noun for bowels or intestines. It's a feeling like being grabbed by the gut to do something. And when Matthew describes Jesus' feeling with this words in his gospel, it's not just Jesus felt bad or Jesus felt sad, but that Jesus acts because of that feeling. It's not, oh, that's a huge bummer. It's, I am so moved, I am doing this. And Jesus' compassion leads him to send out the twelve. They are the fulfillment of his prayer for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Jesus' compassion leads him to invite and equip others to join in community care. None of these folks were perfect. They were messy humans, just like us. But that's the point. We are more than our failures or our put-together church faces or curated social media posts. Jesus sends the disciples out to continue the work he'd already been doing. And Jesus is the one who makes it possible to carry out the calling they'd been given. On first reading, I got a little angry at Jesus who limits where the disciples can go. Jesus seems to exclude. But then I told myself to settle down. And remember, we are only partially through the book of Matthew. No one small story can contain the complexity of what Jesus is up to in the world in the same way that a 120-character tweet does not lend itself well to intricacies of nuance on social media. Jesus will send them out to the world at the end of Matthew's gospel, but first he sends them to places in proximity to the ministry he'd already been doing. Galilee was surrounded by non-Jewish nations, except to the south, which is Samaria. So essentially, by the road and town language, Jesus is keeping the disciples near him in the region of Galilee for now. Jesus is still moved by to compassion for the world and is in the business of equipping and sending people even now. Where are we invited to join in? And perhaps like the disciples in this story, it's to something close at hand in a place we already know. 
And in sending out the disciples and us, Jesus is concerned for tangible needs. Good news isn't just intellectual, it is restorative for the soul and body and community. Jesus sends the disciples not just to say good news, but to be good news. And likewise, God continues to call each of us into being good news of the kingdom of God. As womanist theologian Monica Coleman writes in Making a Way Out of No Way, God calls us knowing who we are, what our situations are, and God tailors God's calling to us for our life situations. God calls us in every moment, so we always have the opportunity to do something new, to create again, to be reborn. God does not give up on us, but calls each and every one of us to God's self, to relationship, to community. And we, imbued with that kind of calling, have the power to change the world. And looking out on that hallway chalkboard with thank yous from our youth for your generosity in supporting them and going to Montana as a congregation, you've already started on this calling to change the world by supporting them. I invite you to keep going. Where else will you show up? God isn't stingy with invitations or with sharing of the Spirit to live out what we've been called to in community. And the themes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 about how to live as the people of God carry over into these instructions for the disciples. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or where or what will we drink? For God knows you need these things. Both of these inform Jesus' instruction. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts. No bag for your journey. Travel light. Trust that the God of compassion will provide what's needed along the way. Stuff has a way of taking on a life of its own, tangling around our ankles and tripping us up. It takes time and energy to manage. Plus, we can be so focused on protecting our assets and things that we act in ways that are at odds with our call to love our neighbor. Perhaps traveling light is a way of practicing presence and peace. And I wonder if Jesus is putting the disciples in relationship with other people as part of this proclaiming the good news. What if it is not just one way giving and one way receiving, but relationships marked with reciprocity? Being worthy here is not so much about earning merit points. It's about the disciples going where they are wanted and welcome and walking away when they weren't instead of risking themselves in a hostile environment. And what if this sending of the disciples and teaching them how not to just pour out, but also to receive hospitality along the way, is like Desmond Tutu's explanation of the South African concept of Ubuntu. My humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound to in yours. We belong in a bundle of life. We say a person is a person through other persons. It's not I think, therefore I am. It says, rather, I am a human because I belong, I participate, I share. And I wonder if tasting a life oriented like this is tasting the good news of the kingdom of God. To be held in the reciprocity of community, to build trust that we don't have to do it all or be it all or carry everything alone, but we are held and supported by others. It's so, so healing. And still, Jesus' good news isn't received as good news by everyone. He knew the disciples would not be welcomed everywhere they went in the same way Jesus wasn't welcomed everywhere he went. 
And likewise, we too will not be welcomed everywhere. We are not for everyone, and it hurts when we are not for everyone. But we also get to decide how much emotional energy to invest in those hurts, what hurts are weighing us down, preventing us from being who we're called to be, and how will we release them? Will I trust God with the balance sheets and the change process instead of clutching bitterness and letting it fester or internalizing everything as something wrong with me? Easy for me to ask, super hard for me to actually do. And shaking the dust off is not a teaching to let us bypass examining how we may have harmed others. Making amends might be needed. But it is a reminder that everything isn't about me or us, and we can't healthily carry rising resentment or the shame of blaming others or blaming ourselves for other people's choices. Where might God be nudging you this morning? Where does love move you to show up? And I don't know where you are this morning, whether I am catching you at a moment where life feels full of possibility or whether you are panicking about me nudging you to consider how you might show up somewhere while your metaphorical cup feels smashed, not just empty, and you're wondering if life can be put back together, much less refilled. There is a time for being sent, but also, beloved, there is also a time for receiving the ones who are sent to us. Matthew invites us to consider the ways that we might be called to action but also gives a reminder that God is moved to compassionate action for us too. That whatever storm or grief or illness or trauma we are facing down, God has not forgotten us nor utterly abandoned us. And most often, God comes to us through people. Through the aunt and uncle who did Jason and my laundry while my dad was in the ICU last week, through the text out of the blue that reminds me I am connected and beloved when my anxiety is at a peak and I am catastrophizing, through the people who bring meals when the rawness of life happens, through a mentor who proclaims someone's story isn't finished and makes community connections to fan a little spark into a flame. And in case you need this reminder this morning, you are beloved, and Jesus is moved to compassion for you. You are not forgotten, even if help does not come in the method or through the people you had hoped, God is still holding you in love. How will you receive the people God is sending to you? And God, grant us open hearts to your messengers in our midst. Let us taste the joy of being in compassionate community, empowered by your spirit. And may we continue to respond to your invitation to tangibly care for others, particularly people who the world casts aside. And when we forget, remind us that we are loved, and we do not do this alone, but through your spirit with us. Amen.